0: think God could never save, much less use you because of your past? Think again.
1: Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Let us never say again, church, God can't use me. Let us never let that come out of our lips. God can't use me because I'm an outcast. God can't use me because in my past I was a liar or a thief. God can't use me because I was a prostitute. Don't ever say that God can't use me because I'm divorced. Maybe it's not Rahab that you've written off. Maybe it's you that you've written off. Or you just think you've crossed the line. And you're so bad that you're irredeemable. Let Rahab, let her be burned into your mind that no one's beyond the reach of God. This is amazing grace. done
0: for me. You may have written yourself off, or someone has, based on the failures or sins of the past. But today on Abounding Grace, be encouraged by this, God can and wants to use and save anyone who will turn to Him in faith. And the story of Rahab really emphasizes that in a powerful way. Yes, most would remember her for her sin of harlotry, but God took notice of something else, her faith. And that's why she's included in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Let's join
1: Pastor Ed there now. You know, Rahab is, she's on this long list. You know, the world views certain occupations and certain lifestyles in a very negative way in this culture. And Rahab would be on a long list of the world's failures, of the world's losers, of the world's throwaways. That God has redeemed and changed and used. So many of us were on the same list. Where you just look at that life and you, you say, I, I, don't, I don't see any redeemable quality. I don't see, look, look at what they've chosen to do and look at how they've chosen to respond and look at the path that they're on. But God has different plans. And how do we access the plans of God even though with what we see is discouraging and demoralizing, we access the plans of God by faith. By faith. Of all the difficult circumstances, we're in all the impossibilities. Everything that's stacked up against us, we access it by faith. You see, whom the world esteems very lightly, God has a tendency and a pattern to elevate them to great things. God just operates differently than this world. So different. Prostitutes aren't necessarily high on the list for those that are likely to succeed or go far in this world. But from God's perspective, they are greatly loved. From God's perspective, those that are bound by sin, God loves. They don't need to be labeled. They need to be loved, church. It's very easy to label someone and go, well, you know, and, and think about it. You think about Colfax. You think about, and you, you might even be here to go, well, I don't even go down Colfax because of those things. Exactly. And you won't show up as impacting Rahab's life when you avoid Rahab. You just won't be a part of her story. You won't be a part of the story of God when you avoid the difficulties that surround us. When we develop a hard heart toward the hurting. When we have these preconceived, prejudicial, prejudgments on people so that we can label them something other than our neighbor, And when we view someone other than our neighbor, then we don't somehow in our minds believe we don't have to follow through in loving our neighbor. But Jesus made it clear. Who is our neighbor? Everyone. It doesn't matter. And Rahab here gets a taste of God's perspective. And before we move on into the rest of the chapter, Rahab was a woman. And it's important to understand that. Because in the culture then, women were not highly regarded. And even in many places today, unfortunately, there is a sense of not highly valuing women or somehow putting them in a lower place, even in the church. But I want to make sure that you understand, biblically and personally, how valuable women are to God, to His ministry, to this world, to your family, that Jesus always elevates always prizes and always values women. You can pull out an atlas or you can take a globe and you can search wherever the Bible has had its greatest impact. You will notice the role of women in that society has been played, has been elevated to the proper place because the Bible teaches the value of women. Women, you are important to the plan of God. Bible elevates women, frees them, and removes them from any place of subjugation. Am I saying that in our nation, or even in the church today, that we are where we should be? Not at all, because we've all been messed up by sin. But we can change, and we can continue to place the value on you ladies that God, we can agree with God of how important you are to the plan of God on the earth today and not participate in any of these things. Listen, unless you are if you're not convinced by now, a short survey of the Bible will show how important women are to the Lord and to His ministry. If you're taking notes, consider a few roles that God has entrusted to women throughout the Scriptures. First of all, Miriam, she was a worship leader, Exodus chapter 15. Deborah was a national leader. She was a judge, Judges chapter 4. Huldah, she was a prophetess, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Anna, she was a prophetess, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Priscilla, an accomplished Bible teacher, Acts chapter 18. Phoebe, a deaconess in the early church, Romans chapter 16. Let alone all of the women, some named and some unnamed, that were a significant support to the very ministry of Jesus Christ. Women are valuable and important. Because that's how God created you. You are created in the image of God. And you are equal to men in your nature and how God made you to be used. And so don't let anybody dismiss you. Oh, you're just a woman. That's not biblical. It's not even loving. Like we need to value each other as the Bible teaches us. Now, come back. Verse 8 in Joshua. See how God continues to deal with this woman. So before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard, you might want to circle that phrase, for we have heard. What do you mean you have heard, Rahab? What do you mean you heard? Well, somebody's been talking about God in Jericho. Let's say that. Somebody has been talking about God throughout Jericho, and look what they heard. They heard how the Lord had dried up the water in the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. What you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, and neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. The reputation of God was in the pagan city of Jericho. It was throughout the land because the reputation of God precedes him. While people might deny God, they might make, make, pretend he's not there, they might make up fanciful theories to replace them, they're all responding to the reality of God and his presence. And you can't replace him, and you can't ignore him. And they heard they heard of what God had done, and they believed it. They heard how God parted the Red Sea and believed it. They heard how the Amorites were destroyed, and they believed it. They had, listen, look at the, look at Rahab, what a huge concept of God she had in this pagan, idolatrous city. Why? Because somebody shared these miraculous things, and she believed it. The whole city believed it. I mean, to come to think of this, we don't know how old Rahab is here, but I'm going to say, let's just say for the sake of argument, that Rahab is not quite 40 years old yet. What that means is, is that she wasn't alive when all these things happened. It wasn't like she heard the immediate, let's just say after the, after the Red Sea parted, that word got to Jericho and they heard. And then the kings were defeated, word got to Jericho. So now this testimony of God's faithfulness, God faithfulness, they're just waiting in Jericho. When's it going to happen? When are the people of God coming? When is the children of Israel? When are we going to meet that one true God? And they're wandering and, wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering. But it also reminds me and teaches me, teaches us that No seed of the gospel goes wasted when you share it. You may not see it. It may not even be the person that you share it with that's affected. It might be their kids. It might be their kids as adults that hear 40 years after the Red Sea, Rahab's telling the story. Who told Rahab? Well, word was out in Jericho that God was powerful. And hearing the work of God, he did a work in her heart, creating a faith and a knowledge and an understanding that was a true spiritual revolution inside of her. So, notice in verse 12, she says, Therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. She's not a selfish woman. You can see so many great qualities in her. She loves her family. Yeah, but she's a prostitute. Yeah, she loves her family. You know, Rahab's somebody's daughter, somebody's sister. She's an important human being, and she also has feelings, and she cares. We've got to look past the sin in someone's life. We've got to look past even the outward ugliness and consequences of sin, and remember that Jesus died for that person, that they're important. Notice the men answered her, verse 14, our lives are yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be that when the Lord has given us the land, we'll deal kindly with you and truly. And she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. Remember, the walls are huge, 50 feet wide. You know, they're huge. So many people that don the wall, in the wall, that was part of their dwelling. So there, that's where she lived, a very prominent place. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, verse 16, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. Then the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him." And if you tell this business of ours, then we'll be free from your oath, which you made us swear. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Scarlet cord is very important. This reminds us of the Passover. It reminds us of the ark, this house with the scarlet cord. Because the way to be saved when the ark was being built is that you had to be in the ark. When the waters of tribulation and the waters of judgment came, the only place to be safe was to be in the ark. Then we come to Egypt, and the only place to be safe would be in the house. But not just in the house. You had to have applied the blood on the doorposts above and on the side in the form of a cross. You had to have now the blood applied. You go from the ark being in the ark. Now you have the blood applied so that everyone in the house where the blood was applied... Will be saved. Now we come to Rahab's house. Rahab's house. The woman, Canaanite, pagan, prostitute, sex worker. Yeah, her house. The house that was filled with immorality. The house was filled with difficulty and resistance and rebellion. That house. Well, here, God says, I'm going to sanctify that house. Just put the cord out. What color was the cord? Scarlet, red. Representing what? The blood of Jesus Christ. You want to be saved? You've got to be in the house. You fast forward many years. Jesus says, you want to be saved? You need to be in me. My blood applied for your life. The removal of your sin, the forgiveness of sin. She put that cord out right away. She doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't know when they'll be back. So she does, they, they tell her to do something, she does it. It says there in Joshua 2, it says as they left, she bound the scarlet cord in the window. That's it. She doesn't know when they're coming back. She doesn't know about the military plan of Israel. She doesn't know about the marching around. She doesn't know about the walls falling down flat. She just knows put the cord in. God wants you to respond, church, to what you know. God doesn't want you all worried about what you don't know, all the hard Bible questions you have. And you might think, well, I don't know a lot about the Bible, so I don't know how good of a. Look, God just wants you to respond to what you know. That you sit under a Bible study, do what God tells you to do. Take it to heart. Learn little by little, adding to your faith. He wants us to respond to what He tells us little by little. So she puts this cord in the window, and it represents so much, something far greater. And Rahab gets to be a part of it. Rahab gets to be a part of the plan of God. Notice in verse 22, the spies do depart. They go to the mountain. They stare there three days until the pursuers return. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but didn't find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over, came to Joshua, the son of Nun, told him all that had befallen them, And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Faith begets faith, church. You want to surround yourself with people that believe God. Because when you go and you start to waver, and you have those times of faithlessness, it's somebody that can speak the truth into your life. I remember when we were church planting, and when we were stepping out and looking at, we had flown into another city to spy out the land, and I had my buddy Mike with me. And I'm telling you, every single place we went, we were like, this is great, this is great, this is great this is great. This is great. And and Mike was going, yeah, it's great. And I'm going, yeah, it's great. And we came back with such a glowing, wonderful report that I came with a little bit of faith, but I went back home to, to get everything ready to move with a lot of faith. And I'm so glad that I took Mike with me because Mike spoke words of faith into my life. I would say, what do you think about this? And he didn't go, oh, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever work. Oh man, that's not going to help, Mike. Let's go to another place. What do you think about this, Mike? No, I don't think. I, I don't know. They want so much. No, it was exact opposite. We ended up not moving to that city. It wasn't God's will to go to that city. What God's will was to come to this city. But I'll tell you what God, what was God's will. It was to have our faith built by believing God. That's what He wants to do in your life. He wants your faith built. We don't know where you're going. You don't know the end. We don't know the twists and turns of life. But we do know this. We can meet them by faith. And we want to have people in our lives that help us And encourage us and build our faith. Because I have learned over the years very difficultly, in a very difficult way, that I personally don't respond to people that are discouraged. I don't respond well to discouraging people. I don't respond well. It doesn't help my soul when I've got some great idea and everyone's sitting around there, oh, it ain't going to work. No, it ain't going to work. Or I I don't respond well when it's always bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And I suspect you don't either. (laughs) I don't think I'm the only one. I love to have, surround by people of faith because it builds my faith. And here they are coming back. All they were, all they did was talk to a prostitute. And yet God used Rahab to build their faith. (laughs) It's like you guys don't understand. You guys were afraid when you first came 40 years ago, but you freaked us all out. And we've been afraid ever since waiting for this day. We've been waiting for this day. And I just want you to know, I know it's how it's all going to go down, Rahab says. Save me and my family. We do not believe like the rest of this city. We believe in the one true God. And I'm willing to put my life on the line by putting the cord out and protecting you. Save my family. And they come back with a good report and Rahab makes it into the hall of faith. Rahab makes it in. To me, it's such a beautiful thing. The walls come down, except for that one section with the house on top and the red cord hanging out the window. That one stayed. Why? Well, God had a bigger plan with Rahab. The person you might be avoiding right now, the person that you might have written off, God has a bigger plan for them than even you realize. God has a bigger plan of how he's going to use them, what what, what he's going to do through them. I mean, you think about Rahab, if we all kind of did a field trip and you kind of look at Rahab and go, well, what do you think? What do you think God's plan is with Rahab? And we go, well, maybe God will save her. Maybe God will save her family. And we've got all great things. God had something bigger than that. Why did God save Rahab that day? Well, we learn in the Bible that Rahab ends up marrying a man by the name of Salmon. And Salmon... And that marriage brings Rahab into the covenant people of God. She becomes a part of the nation of Israel. And in their marriage, they have a son. They name him Boaz. Boaz gets married, has a son named Obed. Obed, he gets married, has a son named Jesse, who ends up having a famous son by the name of David. Fast forward many, many generations, David, through the lineage of David, ends up having a son. His name? Jesus Christ, the son of David. How did it all start? Well, Rahab. Rahab made it in to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This Rahab. This woman, hall of faith, genealogy of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's plans for people are far greater than our minds can imagine. God's plan for your life is exceedingly abundantly. God's plan for your life is exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think, church. Beyond your imagination. Beyond your explanation. And here we are so often settling for things that won't even last eternally. Bypassing the Rahabs and the hurting. Just walking by people. uh, just, Just ignoring their plight. Maybe overwhelmed by it all. It's like, I can't change the world. Nobody's asking you to change the world. God's just asking you to respond by faith. He'll do the changing of the world. You respond by faith. You abide in Christ. And you know, it is God's will to change the world. It is God's God's will to turn this world upside down. And He does it through the church. The church, you and me. Yeah, you're the church. the, The church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's you. That's me. The church that will be raptured up into the presence of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's you. That's me. The church that's ever growing. Grace has been engraved into the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David, coming to earth, putting on a body like you and me. Jesus, the eternal God. We are all without excuse, believer and unbeliever alike. God has made a way for anyone to be saved. Let us never say again, church, God can't use me. Let us never let that come out of our lips. God can't use me because I'm an outcast. God can't use me because I've been abandoned. God can't use me because in my past I was a liar or a thief. God can't use me because I was a prostitute. Don't ever say that God can't use me because I'm divorced or I lived in a homosexual lifestyle or God can't use me and you fill in the blank. Maybe it's not Rahab that you've written off. Maybe it's you that you've written off, where you just think you've crossed the line and you're so bad that you're irredeemable. Let Rahab, let her be burned into your mind that no one's beyond the reach of God. This
0: is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at aboundinggraceradio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This
1: is amazing grace.